Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows, in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Uthi. So glad we did two very long movies in preparation for this podcast. <laughs> we, pick, we picked, like, the two longest movies, I feel, or two of the longest Oscar noms to hold off for the end. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of Drive My Car and King Richard. That one movie podcast. But first, Jimmy, let's do the Toms. Yes, let's look at the news this week and rank them by Toms. The Toms, the Toms, the Toms, the Toms. Toms is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. We might have to change the intro to mildly famous Toms. <laughs> Moderately famous Toms. Toms nah, you just, may I- be familiar with, but <laughs> most likely not anymore. Yeah, we uh, we did not pick the three most famous Toms. Um, <laughs> at least we don't see three most famous Toms. It's yeah. just three famous Toms. Well, maybe we should change it to that. Yeah. <laughs> just blatantly lie. Um, yeah, but anyway, to start out, we have a trailer for Miss Marvel. Uh, the next, after Moon Knight, it's the next uh, Disney Plus Marvel series. Um, this one is going to be feeding into that Captain Marvel sequel we've got coming out next year, I believe, called The Marvels. Um, what'd you think of the trailer, Jimmy? I thought it was fine. I mean, good music. I, I'm not necessarily excited for this show. I just personally don't think I'm really the the audience for this. I don't mm. know. It's it's not like I'm more of like the dark, gritty superhero <laughs> stuff like the Batman. So like this is kind of feels like it's on the opposite side of the spectrum. Yeah, very so, much I mean, so. I mean, if people are excited about it, good for them. But it's not necessarily scratching my itch. But I don't think it looks like bad or anything. Yeah, everybody. I don't. I don't care about Kamala Khan at all. I I don't know anything about her. I guess I shouldn't say I don't care. I just don't know anything about her character. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know she was featured heavily in the new uh, the Avengers game that nobody liked except maybe (laughs) her. Um, and I know that they apparently may have changed her powers, but I don't really care about any of that as long as it's a, a good show. So yeah, I mean, I'm not. It doesn't make me more or less excited for it. I guess sure. Um, so I'll give it that's, a Bergeron. That's fair. I if, yeah. For what little I know about her, I just her powers are like weirdly like changing the size of her like. I don't know. She like makes her hands really big and hits people with them. I don't know. It's not even. I don't think it's like stretchy powers. It's just like I don't know. But um, she, I just don't want her to be like Captain Marvel light because I think Captain Marvel's powers are really boring. So uh, just make it a little bit more interesting than Captain Marvel's powers. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it kind of looks more like a a teen comedy drama thing. Um. 
even more so than like Spider-Man, I think. It looks like there's a heavy emphasis on that the goings-ons at a high school and day-to-day life and whatnot. Um, so, I don't know. Might be interesting, but I agree. It's not anything I'm super excited for. I'm much more interested in like Moon Knight coming out soon. Yeah, I would say um, the same. Yeah, so I'm yeah. yeah, I'm at a Bergeron. Yeah, I'll give a Bergeron. That's fine with me. Sounds um good. yeah. And then on to other news. Um new Scream movie. Uh this is getting fast tracked. Uh we're getting a Scream 6 next year, Jimmy. Uh it Holy is coming, smokes. <laughs> it's coming out March 31st. They have a release date confirmed. Uh Courtney Cox is has ret- confirmed her return. Uh don't have any other casting news yet. Uh but it is going to be start filming this summer. Same director and uh writing crew as this most recent Scream movie. What do you think about this, Jimmy? Well, I mean, if you have an idea, great. <coughs> Excuse me. If you don't have an idea, don't push this thing out for money. Yeah. So, I mean, I really enjoyed Scream 5, so uh, I would I, love to see more. Just, you know, be good, though. I don't want to see more slop. Yeah, I think that's the big concern is that it's going to, that it's just kind of a cash grab. And I think this is the fastest they've made a sequel for this. Because even, like, Scream 2... I feel like maybe had a couple years. Maybe it only had a year. I don't remember when that movie came out, but um, but it just seems like they're fast tracking this. And it, I mean, it definitely is for money because the most recent one did pretty well financially. I think it even did better than Scream Four. Um, I can't remember how much money it made. I saw it earlier, but yeah, I don't know. They got an idea. Great have some new angle to make fun of horror movie tropes awesome that's what i want to see yeah i mean just the short time frame makes me skeptical Mm -hmm. but i am glad we are getting a new scream movie so i think those balance out to a bergeron for me yeah yeah bergeron for me too um mandalorian news jimmy this i think just broke today but we have a confirmed guest star for the next season of mandalorian one you'll be very excited for uh christopher lloyd what (laughs) he's going to guest star in the next season of the mandalorian great scott (laughs) uh that's really cool i guess he's also old yeah how (laughs) really old (laughs) he looked old in back to the future which was made 37 years ago (laughs) yeah i mean he he is not aged gracefully really i mean he looks his age i can't remember i'm gonna look up exactly how old he is christopher lloyd is 83 wow he looked old when he was young okay interesting yeah that doesn't surprise me um boy i thought he was older than 83 uh (laughs) (laughs) he looks older than 83 (laughs) um fun fact i i went to a dodgers game with my dad in Los Angeles and he was there Christopher Lloyd so they played a lot of back to future segments in between innings as well as Alex Trebek so two legends I was within like a few hundred feet of them oh wow so there you you go did you Uh, see them I did not see them personally but they put them on the jumbotron gotcha um but yeah so that's uh that's uh, pretty cool that he's going to be in this. I mean, he was great in Nobody. He was mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts. Yeah, of that. he was really um, funny in that. <laughs> so I'll give it a, a Brokaw, but really, Holden, what, who I want to see, and this is this is maybe even newsworthy itself, but Sam Jackson is like, come on, guys, yeah. <laughs> bring me back. I don't know if I you saw, had like, this in the news. 
I saw this like um, when I was getting the news ready for this week. I saw this like multiple articles about this. It was like it's like he said multiple things this week. It wasn't even just like different places saying it. It was just like he said it like two or three times this week. People kept reporting <laughs> on it. Well, apparently he's like good friends with Bryce Dallas Howard. And he's like, Bryce, you do episodes <laughs> of The Mandalorian. Make this happen. Come on. Give me an in. <laughs> <laughs> Which I want to see. Mace Windu's out there, man. If you brought back Darth Maul, yeah. Mace Windu just kind of ambiguously flew out a window. Yeah. <laughs> like, if there's anybody that could be alive in Star Wars, it's him. It, it's it's weird that no one seems to be taking him up on this yet because obviously Sam Jackson's such a big star and everything. Like if he if he wants to do this, you should let him do it. <laughs> I I mean, growing up, Mace Windu was always my favorite character from the prequels. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, I'm not exactly sure why, but I think he's just a really fascinating, morally ambiguous character. Like he is. Um, kind of more gray than a lot of jedi are and he was i think a great jedi before the great jedi were a thing yeah like i think they really there's a lot to explore with this character and it actually makes sense to bring him back mm-hmm. so and sam jackson wants to do it so bring him back <laughs> come on there's nothing more i want to see like even more than maybe the obi-wan show i just want to see sam jackson back mace yeah. will do miniseries well and like yeah, I just old man Mace Windu. I'd be so down for that. <laughs> It'd be so cool. Yeah. Um <laughs> He had some sort of funny one liner that I cannot think of off the top of my head, but whatever we were talking about, uh Christopher Lloyd, Brokaw, bring Sam Jackson <laughs> back. Forgot we were still on that. Yeah, uh Brokaw for me too. Um, okay, so the movie we should have watched this week is X, right? Yeah, apparently, because <laughs> apparently it's very good. Um, didn't really have any interest in it before the reviews, but it's apparently very good. Um, anyway, some news about that. Apparently, the director Ty West uh, also directed and wrote and shot a a sequel or no a prequel to this movie, like immediately after he filmed it. So there's like a secret X prequel made. Uh, I think it's titled Pearl, um, but it's like just in post production already. It's all it's all done pretty much. So they're gonna release it? Yeah, I don't I don't know if they're planning on doing it later this year or what. But wow, that's neat for the people who like that movie. Uh, so I'll, I'll give that a broke. Also, uh, Sam Jackson said he would be willing to learn lightsaber left handed. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, broke off from me too. I want to see X at some point now. So. Yes. Um, this week, Amazon officially bought MGM for $8.5 billion, um, which considering I was like, okay, MGM, you know, famous movie studio, that's that makes sense. But really, they're like only moneymaker is James Bond. I was like looking through what else they have and their other biggest franchise is like the Rocky Creed franchise. And uh, they also, I guess, own, like, the original Wizard of Oz. They have, like, Handmaid's Tale. And I guess the Fargo stuff is under them, too. I don't know. It it seems like a lot, but it's basically just so they get James Bond. (laughs) Yeah, boy. I mean, Lucasfilm going for 4.2 or whatever billion. What the heck? But it just (laughs) seems like, uh, I mean, I guess inflation and stuff. That was 10 years ago. But still, 
I feel like you're just James Bond really that worth it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like of maybe like way down the line, it'll eventually be worth it. But those movies come out so sparingly and they I mean, yeah, they do well at the box office, but it's not like an Avengers or Star Wars movie. Like, I don't know. It seems like a, a strange investment to put all that money into. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm going to give it a Bombadil. Yeah, Bombadil for me. Um, You could make eight seasons of The Lord of the Rings for that money. <laughs> yeah, you could. Um, yeah, so uh, this week New York Times uh, interviewed Daniel Radcliffe, and they asked about a Harry Potter and the Cursed Child adaptation, which for those of you who don't know, that's the, like, unofficial well it's like the play that i think jk rowling wrote alongside some other people uh, that's kind of like the eighth book in the harry potter series um i own it i have not read the full thing yet but apparently it reads like fan fiction (laughs) i don't know i read it oh i mean one of the first times like emily and i went out one-on-one was it was kind of my in to get her one-on-one. I was like, oh, I just read The Cursed Child. We better meet up and talk about it. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty smooth like that, Holden. <laughs> and uh, I just remember, it like, conceptually, really good idea. Like, I really liked the setup of the story. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. And some of the themes they explore, too, the execution of it does seem like fan fiction a lot. And it's very much... it. It it really follows the trend of like sequels too, where it's kind of like a it's almost like an Avengers Endgame <laughs> of the Harry Potter books. Which yeah, I mean, it, it was a, like it was an Endgame before Endgame existed. So I have never made that connection in my mind until now. But there's a lot of like because there's revisiting a lot of time turner past. stuff. Right? Yeah, there's time turner stuff. It's a very interesting idea, and it's kind of. There's different, like, I if I remember correctly, there's, like, some sort of Ministry of Magic policy to, like, get rid of time turners okay. to kind of, like, cover up the plot holes <laughs> of, the, you know, everything after the third book. Um, and then somehow one was, like, stolen or something, and it's used to be a plot to bring Voldemort back, and they have to do all these different time things. And I want to say there's a lot of different alternate realities and that sort of stuff. Okay. And I think a lot of it focuses on the what happens in the fourth book, which is my favorite. So Goblet of Fire, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, conceptually really liked it. If they took that concept and tweaked it and made it into a movie, I think that would be great. I'm also someone who just believes that Harry Potter should be a generational thing. Like, I think Harry Potter should come back with a new generation of new characters mm-hmm. and they get their seven year story. Like I just think that it's yeah, such a natural awesome. thing. And I think that's a, a like have yeah her, the book of Harry Potter, like that series is closed. Sure. You can bring them back from time to time, do your requel stuff, but, and then just kind of establish a new story and new generation and, and let this magical Hogwarts series live on that way you know whether there's a 15 year gap or whatever 20 years between each one I think that should be a thing I get why people would say no but no I agree I think that sounds cool um but yeah so I (laughs) just brought up Cursed Child because uh New York Times asked Daniel Radcliffe about it 
Uh, there's no movie confirmed or anything. Don't don't get me wrong. But uh, Daniel Radcliffe, in response to the question, said, "This isn't the answer that anybody's going to want." But I think I was so able to I was so able to go back and enjoy it because it's not a part of my day to day life anymore. I'm getting to a point where I feel like I made it out of Potter okay, and I'm really happy with where I am now. And to go back would be such a massive change to my life. I'm never going to say never, but the Star Wars guys had like 30, 40 years before they went back. For me, it's only been 10. It's not something I'm really interested in doing right now. Wow. <laughs> um, good for him, I guess. Uh, yeah. The, the, I would, yeah, you don't need to do it right now. You could still wait another 10 years, honestly. Yeah. Or f- I mean, five years. I. It's something that, you know, like people change. He may want to come do it. I don't know. Whatever. Like, what? let him do whatever he wants, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect that he's, like, very into just doing his own thing now. He can pretty much do whatever he wants because he, like, has so much money from Harry... And he'll continue to get money from Harry Potter. So, like, he can just pick projects that he really likes and, you know, that he finds interesting. So, I think that's I, cool. You definitely need him if you're going to do it, though. Like, yeah. You can't recast him and he might come around to the idea um because it's not like harry potter is like the main character of the story it's just kind of if i remember correctly it's more focused on the kids and it's one of the things i really liked about it was harry trying to be a dad but he never (laughs) had a dad so it's kind of a struggle for him oh okay and he's very he's very vulnerable in that in that story and i that was one of my favorite parts of it and uh fact it's sitting on the bookshelf that emily just got so maybe i'll have to take a gander at it again this summer or something and revisit it then write my own fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> but i you know what i'll i'll say uh bergeron you know i would like to see him do it eventually i would like to see the movie form imagine how big it would be yeah like if you brought the harry potter cast back oh my gosh i mean i'm sure like warner bros wants to do it at some point it's just kind of a matter of getting everyone back for it they're just gonna bring truckloads of cash <laughs> <laughs> driving it right in front of daniel radcliffe's <laughs> house yeah yeah you saw how successful that reunion thing on hbo max was imagine that but actually good yeah um i thought it was fine (laughs) i never watched it (laughs) i just said that for no reason (laughs) um anyway uh bergeron yeah whatever um broke off for him doing his thing uh next piece of news equally as important uh there's a play-doh animated movie in the works jimmy um it's going to be produced and maybe directed by uh john chu who did crazy rich asians and written by emily gordon uh who wrote the big sick which is a very good movie very funny movie but this is a play-doh movie so i don't know is the big sick very funny i don't remember oh maybe it it's not funny. funny maybe it's just good <laughs> i was gonna say i think it's just a good movie <laughs> i think there's some like funny moments in it but yeah it's i guess it's kind of sad I never saw Crazy Rich Asians, but I mean, it's all both right. of those movies are considered good. So, Plato, all right. <laughs> Bergeron, I guess. And just to clarify, we're not talking about the philosopher Plato. We're talking about Plato, the uh, oh yes, the good. building material, the the little kid toy. Wait, um, they are not the same. No, they're not. They're okay. Not. Um, good. I was about to teach about that next week. Oh, nice. Just uh, kidding. But we are in ancient Greece, so. Okay. 
the my final piece of news is that uh, apparently a Plague Tale is being turned into a TV show. The video game uh, that both of us have played, we both liked. Uh, I think I liked it a little bit more than you, but apparently it's getting turned into a show. Uh, French director Matthew Turry is going to be working on it. I wasn't familiar with a lot of his stuff, but he was an assistant director of Inglorious Bastards, apparently. <laughs> so, oh. interesting. Mm, interessante. Uh, yeah. Um, Any thoughts on this? I just... I don't know. I mean, sure, but I just don't think there's... I don't know. I don't feel like you need that one, yeah. personally. Like I, I could be proven wrong, and... I feel a little hypocritical saying that, yes, The Last of Us should get a TV show, but <laughs> A Plague Tale shouldn't because they're very similar in how they're, like, structured. Like, you have two people going on a journey. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I liked A Plague Tale in a sense, but I don't think the story was good enough to hold the stand-up on its own for a TV show, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it... it if they like improve it, I think it could be an interesting world and concept for a show. But I, yeah, I agree. The story itself in the game is, I mean, obviously it's not a Last of Us level. And also, you'd need two kid actors pulling the weight of the whole. Thing. Yeah. So I could see the older sister being a Thomas and McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh no! We have to get out of here. Oh no. The rats, they're coming. <laughs> uh, yes, Thomas and McKenzie would fit that role perfectly. I don't think I would watch this unless it was very, very good. So I'm yeah. going to give it a Bergeron. Yeah, we'll see. Bergeron for me, too. Um, in t- regards of gaming, I know there was a Hogwarts Legacy. We got a lot of Harry Potter talk this week. but we, There was a Hogwarts Legacy state of play um, presentation this week. I only saw snippets, so I'll let Jimmy lead this, what he thought of it. Yeah, I mean, so first off, you have Hogwarts full to explore. That's cool. It's in the 1800s, really something we haven't learned about mm-hmm. in in wizarding history, prior, I guess. And it's far enough prior to, like, Voldemort and Grindelwald that <laughs> hopefully it'll, like, not connect to the movies and stuff too much. It'll be able no. to be its own thing. I think it's completely brand new, which is, I think it's a double-edged sword. Because on one hand, yes, it's really cool to go through Hogwarts. It's great that they have basically a blank slate that they can do whatever they want in this wizarding world as long as J.K. Rowling doesn't, like, tweet something or they have to change it next (laughs) week or so about, oh, you know, actually Voldemort was born in 1487 and I don't know. He had a time Um, turner. He was born with a time turner. A, a time turner to the future. Um, but so that's that's great. On the other hand, I think part of me wants a game where I could go to Hogwarts at the height of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Like have the open world game set then and you have Professor McGonagall and Dumbledore's there and Snape is there and Mad-Eye Moody is, you know, or Lupin and like to interact with those people and to learn from those classes. But, um, you know, I think the freedom of the storytelling, the overarching narrative to get away from that, to have a compelling story, it makes sense to do it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that 
I mean, they'll create their own characters to be those teachers. And if those characters can be interesting and fun to interact with, then, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I think that looks cool. The gameplay looks like it could be very, um, satisfying, which I think Mm -hmm. it needs. Like I was a little skeptical at first, but the more they were showing it, I was like, that looks like it could be pretty good but it's one of those things that you won't know i guess until you actually sit down and play it i saw one comment in the in the youtube comments that talked about this guy who had play tested the combat like a couple years ago and said it was really satisfying so that's a good sign um but one thing i will say is that i watched the behind the scenes like clip thing they added to it as well and the people making it were like (laughs) <laughs> very enthusiastic i mean you have a general sense of like enthusiasm and confidence in developer preview and stuff like that little trailers like that but these people were like giddy like they were <laughs> so excited to be making a harry potter game so i think a lot of love and care went into this game they obviously poured a lot of time into it since this game got delayed a couple times i want to say yeah i think um so still no release date i believe um yeah it's coming out holiday this year i think they gave a window but aside from that um yeah there's a lot of stuff outside of hogwarts too so they they were kind of defining all this land around like the the lake and the forbidden forest and all that so a lot to explore there's a lot with ancient magic which i think Mm -hmm. is something maybe alluded to in the harry potter books but they're really fleshing it out your character will be able to channel that you you're completely customizing your own character you come in as like a fifth year student and like you didn't realize you were magical beforehand so that's going to tie into the narrative and people are going to kind of treat you differently based on that all those sorts of things but you will actually have to like take classes and uh you have a common room and they made a big deal about like the hufflepuff common room was never been heard before or seen before oh yeah (laughs) so they had to like design what the Hufflepuff common room would look like and I guess there's a bunch of secrets all over Hogwarts and they talked about having to like connect everything because you see all these different locations but then they actually had to build the thing and connect it because you got to get from one place to Mm -hmm. another um it looks really cool and I hope they I hope they got it because this is a game that so many people have been wanting for so long so I just hope that they they uh, were able to kind of meet the target and make a game that potentially could be very defining for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're going to get a lot of people who don't usually play video games in on this too, just like people who want to experience a Hogwarts, you know, life and everything. It it seems like a very crowd-pleasing experience just in general. Um, I just remember when I played the first Lego Harry Potter game, how fun it was to go around Hogwarts and mm-hmm. do all that. That was great. And then I, <laughs> uh, you learn like Avada Kedavra at some point. And there's like permadeath in that game. So I went around and I had killed all the NPCs <laughs> unknowingly permadeath. So they didn't repopulate ever. <laughs> so then Hogwarts was just empty. And it ruined my save file. <laughs> so what the heck? I had no idea because I was like, "Oh, it's fun, you know." Like they fall into their little Lego pieces or whatever. L- Just gone. Jimmy's I a literally psychopath. 
little middle school me like annihilated the entire population of Hogwarts, which was sad because that was fun of the game, you know, exploring, mm-hmm. going around. Never did play that second one, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Ever since playing like Chamber of Secrets on the GameCube with one of my elementary school friends, I've been like, oh, they got to make more of these open world Harry Potter games. I'm pretty sure the only Harry Potter game... I played Lego Harry Potter, the first one. I also played, like, Sorcerer's Stone and maybe Chamber of Secrets, but they were both on the Game Boy, <laughs> Game Boy Advance. Oof. So, Probably a dumbed down... Back when they made dumbed down versions of games. Well, I think they were, like, completely different. Like, I think the... Like, Sorcerer's Stone was, like, some sort of top-down, like, adventure game or something. Yeah, like I remember I had Lego Star Wars on the Game Boy Advance thinking it was going to be just Lego Star Wars and it's <laughs> not. It's like a completely different thing. Yeah. I was um like, what the heck? <laughs> but yeah, I mean from what little I've seen of this Hogwarts Legacy thing, it looks very cool. Um I'll I'm looking forward to hearing more about it as the year comes on. From what little I've seen, it did get me more excited. I'll probably sit down and and actually watch the state of play, watch the gameplay stuff, so I get a better sense of it at some point. But yeah, why they did not just combine these state of plays, I have no idea. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it is bizarre. I mean, hey, if PlayStation wants to do weekly state of plays, I'm all for it. Just yeah. give me one game update a week. Yeah, uh, broke off for me overall. Broke off for me too. Uh, and is that, that all we have, Holden? I think so. So we can do our review of uh, Drive My Car. Let's do Drive My Car first. Yes, let's do Drive My Car first. All right, well, let's go into non-spoilers for Drive My Car. All right, our first of our uh, two Oscar nominees we haven't or hadn't seen prior to this uh, is Drive My best, Car. Best Picture nominees. Oh, yeah, Best Picture by. nominees that we haven't hadn't seen yet. Drive My Car. Uh, this is a Japanese film, um, and I can't remember. I should have pulled up the director's name. Um, but do you want to – you give a synopsis while I pull up the director's name, Jimmy. Uh, well, so this movie is kind of hard to talk about because I feel like to actually give a synopsis of this movie, you have to spoil the first 40 minutes of the movie. So That's true. I, I'm not going to necessarily do that. I would just say takes place in Japan. The main character is this. I don't know if you want to call him. He's kind of a playwright, theatrical director. A lot of the film kind of ties into this complicated relationship that he has with his wife, who is also a creative writer, mm-hmm. and the stories they tell to each other, and just them kind of figuring out this relationship, the how it impacts their life, how it impacts their relationship with other people. It's very, it's a very interesting thing, and you also have uh, a big part of the the film is this kind of production of this. Uh, uh, Chekhov's play um, that um, the main character who uh, Mr. What's his name? Shoot, I changed my tab. The main character he's putting on, he's the director of and a lot of it deals with him putting together that production, working with the cast and then also kind of processing this relationship he has with his wife and how it is kind of tied to some other characters in the film. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so the director is uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Um, apparently, if, uh, his other films are also very well regarded, but I have not seen any of them. Um, anyway, uh, it's kind of a shame that we can't talk about a lot of this movie in non-spoilers, because in reality, there to me, there is not a lot about this movie to talk about. <laughs> I, um, we talked about it briefly when we saw each other the other night. I think this movie is well made for what it is, but I think it's incredibly boring. And it is, to me, I, I, it, I didn't feel like people think this is one of the, like, maybe the best movie of the year. And, like, I look at, like, the letterbox scores, it's super high. It's, like, just a few points away from like parasite and stuff i'm like i i don't get it this movie doesn't feel that unique to me it, it like whoa okay the the play in the movie is is reflecting the the themes of the the actual the movie itself Ooh, okay <laughs> like i don't know there's a lot in this that is just it's a lot of fluff to me i don't know what, what do you think <laughs> I do think there are a lot of layers to it, and mm-hmm. I definitely I think it hurt to not know the full story of the the Chekhov play in the middle. Of yeah, the, yeah the, true. Like I could obviously you pick up certain stuff from the scenes that they're doing. You're like that reflects it. It's very much that Hamlet sort of idea of like the ideas that these characters have are kind of showing up in the play and. It's almost like you have the whole Hamlet notion of like making one character feel a certain way to kind of expose their true intentions about things. It's like very much reflective of how Hamlet plays out. Um, but yeah, like like you said, it's not that much happens. Mm-hmm. Like you even said when you were pulling up the Wikipedia synopsis, just kind of jog your brain. It's very short, considering the movie's <laughs> three hours long. I just think that, um, for me, the first act of this movie is the most interesting, and I was hooked. Yeah. I was like, this is brilliant. And then the final two acts, though I thought were well done, and they're very m- contemplative, they do make you think. Mm-hmm. It's just there's not much... Like, it's not that entertaining to watch. And not that a movie necessarily needs to be that entertaining. It just kind of felt like a chore at times. And it was a movie that I couldn't watch in one sitting mm -hmm. without getting fatigued. It just doesn't, like, justify the length to me. Like, I, I get that you want, like, slow burns and stuff. That's fine. But it, like, the combination of the fact that it's a slow burn and there was also just not very much happening in the greater story it just it didn't i agree that the first 40 minutes is probably my favorite part uh, but the rest of it, it just didn't feel like much was happening at all um I which don't is know. too bad because you know like from for me it's exciting because parasite was such a watchable film so mm-hmm. exciting and yet had all this style and such great direction and performances and it was it was kind of a gateway for a lot of people into foreign films or foreign language films in the United States. And um, I just don't see myself recommending this film to anybody. Like yeah. I just am not going to recommend it this in a way that I could recommend Parasite. And I, I'm surprised that this film has gotten as much momentum that it has. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, this isn't going to have the same power that Parasite has in that regard, because, I mean, if you, I mean, it, sure, it got a Best Picture nom, but if you have just, like, your average Joe sitting down and watching, wanting to watch the Best Picture noms, they're probably going to watch this and just think it's really boring. <laughs> like, I, I feel like you have to really be into these type of slow burn films for it to be any to mean anything to you to really appeal or yeah I mean I guess to even have had a similar experience that would help as well but I don't know yeah I so this film's been on my radar for a long time ever since I think it debuted in TIFF in like November ish um one of the podcasts I follow they had seen it and they loved it it was their favorite both people on the podcast it was their favorite film of TIFF and so I'd been looking forward to it till for a long time and I just I thought it was very good mm-hmm. but I was just surprised that it has as much momentum as it does and as much buzz about it as it does because I just don't see it connecting with the general audience in the United States in the way that Parasite could and that doesn't make it necessarily a worse movie it just makes me surprised that it got nominated for a best picture one of the things I will say that's that is fantastic about this movie is the performances um, and one of the great things about the performances is that people like to joke that like you know best at, like the often the great performances are defined by like like crying or yelling like that kind of it's those types of uh, emotions that make a quote great performance but that or doesn't really eating happen. raw meat yeah eating raw meats it, that doesn't really happen in this movie like everything is so understated like even moments where you think there would be huge amounts of emotion like coming out it like just doesn't happen but you still feel it from the characters and it totally fits with the characters like the main character especially he is a very soft-spoken man very you know keeps his emotions kind of close to his chest in a lot of ways um and so, I mean, that kind of fits his character, but you can still tell everything he's feeling from the performance. It's it's pretty great. Yeah, I think you nailed it. The performances, to me, were the, the strongest part of this film. I also thought it was very, very beautiful. Yeah. And it, yeah. Interestingly, because it's there's nothing that remarkable to film in it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, some of the shots is just the most mundane things. I mean, you have people sitting and driving in a car, mm-hmm. as you can imagine from the name. And it's just gorgeous. Like, there's just certain shots that just stand out as, like, wow, that is just a beautiful shot. And it's just someone just sitting somewhere kind of looking off. And there's nothing, there's not a big, there's nothing like that unique about it. <laughs> yeah. It's very just straightforward, but somehow they elevated the beauty of the the medium. And I don't know how they did it. I'm like, <laughs> what did you do to make this shot look good, even though there's literally nothing remarkable about it? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I One of the shots that people seem to be really uh, commending is like when they're smoking in the car and holding the, the cigarettes out of the, the sunroof and everything. Mm-hmm. And like it's uh, you watch it and it's not it's not like that's that complicated of a shot or anything too remarkable but it's just like within the greater meaning of the movie i think everything just fits together so well with the cinematography um i also just like the stories within the the overall narrative there is some sort of literary term for like a story within a story 
But um, yeah, I thought they were very effective because I mean, you have kind of this one overarching narrative between the that the the Oto, the wife of the main character, is telling, and you also have the narrative of the play. And I think the way the, the way those interacted with the overarching narrative was very interesting. Yeah, and I thought that yeah. was really well done. But again, it just felt like there was a lot of stuff in between there that just didn't seem to amount to that much or or just could have played out a little bit faster yeah i mean the most engaging parts for me were whenever someone was telling a story whether it be something that happened to them in the past or something fictional they they've created i think those are just the most interesting dialogue monologue bits they get Um, which is which is interesting because originally this is this is a book this is adapted Mm -hmm. from a book and the best parts of this film are the parts where someone is describing something else and you're kind of just imagining it and you're not really yeah. paying attention to the film itself. Good point, yeah. Just an interesting like idea that they did, because they never show the stories going on. It's just no. the character telling it, but you're imagining it in your brain um, just like you would if you were reading the book. It's almost like an audio book at some points. Yeah. Huh. And just an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I, as far, I I liked it when they would tell the stories, but when we would see the stuff on stage, I just don't think, like, I would get how it was reflecting what was happening in the movie, like I kind of made fun of it earlier, but like you said, I didn't know the larger context, the story of the play, uh, of Uncle Vanya or whatever it's called, and so I, I... it was hard for me to like understand exactly what was happening like in the story so those parts were not as interesting to me and unfortunately they cut back to that quite a bit yeah and i don't think that makes it worse i think it just makes it a little bit more inaccessible Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i think that i would have a greater appreciation for this movie the more i learned about it but it's just i don't I think if you're in the context of a of a course where you are studying film, this is a great movie. Outside of, or outside of that context, I just don't see myself having that yeah, great just, of an appreciation. I mean, I do really do appreciate this film, mm-hmm. but I am not going around saying, "Hey, this is a must-watch. This is the best movie of the year," like I've heard other people say. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I mean, I don't want I I don't think it's like worse really I, I mean I think it's definitely better than some of the other best picture nominees even but it's to me it's just far less interesting than some of the others like I think this is probably a better movie than Nightmare Alley but I would rather rewatch that because it's just like a more interesting like everything going on in that yeah more engaging to me but that's a very good way to put it like I would yeah clearly a better movie in my opinion mm-hmm. but yeah I probably wouldn't rewatch it over that so yeah i mean is there anything else you really want to talk about before we go into spoilers i don't think so no we can let's let's give our ratings and oh i guess i i, I always forget at, at the end the music in this is pretty good um yeah I, I quite enjoyed it um but yeah let's give our ratings i'm gonna say eight out of ten I thought it was very well done. Mm-hmm. I loved the first 40 minutes, which is also right when the credits, the opening credits of this movie are 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah. 
Um, loved the first 40 minutes. Uh, never quite got to that l- level of intrigue for me the rest of the way. So 8 out of 10. Great Yeah, I think ba- I think balancing my enjoyment with how I actually view the movie, I'm going to go 7 on this one. Um, yeah. Very good movie that I did not really enjoy watching. I did like the first 40 minutes, though, as well. So. Yeah. All right, Holden, let's talk about spoilers for Drive My Car. Yeah. All right, so spoilers for this. We can actually get into, like, plot details of this movie now. Um, Because, yeah, the the first 40 minutes is is obviously... um, it's the main character and his wife and kind of their day-to-day interactions and stuff happening in their lives. And uh, he finds her having an affair, which we find out later that he knew she was having multiple affairs, I guess. Yeah, that was an interesting little reveal that he knew all that all along. Which it I, definitely didn't seem like that when he first Yeah, saw well... Her. I guess that kind of makes sense with his initial reaction because it was kind of like, oh, he knew this was going on. And so he didn't obviously he didn't like yell, make a scene or like even confront her about it at any point in the first 40 minutes. So it was kind of just him like, oh, OK, I get out and of I here. do. I do think it was interesting because like they the, the whole duality of Oto because you have her clearly she does love him like Mm -hmm. she very much cares about him she checks in with him she's very like trying like how is he doing like she's there for him but then she also just has all these affairs so it's like very much a duality of Mm -hmm. how those things can exist simultaneously and then mr kafuku i think is his name something something kafuku um he has to kind of wrap his mind around that and that's very difficult for him especially when they set up that conversation that they were ultimately never able to have mm-hmm. um and the whole unknowing of what sh- what that conversation would be just you know drives him is it, it's just constantly beneath right beneath the surface the entire film and i think it's palpable that tension yeah. All of the most interesting things in the movie, not only to me, not only happened within the first 40 minutes, but they would also, they were just about the first 40 minutes. Because, like, the thing I mentioned about, you know, finding out that he knew about the affairs all along, then you also find out that, oh, he had, he didn't have any work to go to. He was just kind of avoiding going home to have that conversation mm-hmm. and the grief he feels from that. I think that's just all the most interesting stuff. Um, and yeah i don't know um but then obviously yeah i, oh, I just the ahead. whole like they're, they're them telling each other stories and her story about the the the, the girl who sneaks into the guy's house and <laughs> leaves the tokens and steals things very just interesting thrilling story like you're like it was very like interesting to listen to that i wanted to know what the rest of the story was um so i did enjoy that story i also um liked the idea of them doing the tapes back and Mm -hmm. forth to each other i thought that was fascinating um the affair i just like their whole chemistry their relationship i thought was 
was fascinating and then she has a cerebral hemorrhage and yeah. she's dead 40 <laughs> minutes into the movie and i the rest of the movie just is not as interesting to me um which is a shame like there's still definitely you do get to unpack a lot of things that her presence is never truly gone i mean figuratively and literally they they are playing the tapes throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the film um but i just didn't i didn't find the whole thing where he's trying to get taka takatsuki that the kind of the one of the boys she's having an affair with who's in one of her plays i just don't i didn't think that was that interesting yeah i'm trying to like why did you do this and you know how could you do this and how well, this and takatsuki I, is really just not that good of a person and they just kind of just goes to jail <laughs> for beating somebody up it was it was a weird ending like i i think they do have like i think takatsuki when he finishes the story i mean that was one of my favorite scenes of the movie yeah that was great um but their dynamic is i just i don't think i fully understood exactly what that was going for um and i mean it's never even officially confirmed that he's the one that he walked that 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 takatsuki's the one that he walked in on his wife with Um, i think it i think you're supposed to know that well it's like implied but like takatsuki never confirms it and you never actually see his face in the scene so it's like Oh, I I was pretty certain the whole time that it was Takatsuki, okay. but I don't I don't know if that was supposed to be more ambiguous than that, and I just inferred. Um. Uh, what was I gonna say now? I forget. Holden, continue talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I I liked the dynamic between uh, Kafuku and I can't remember the driver's name. I thought that was, like, fun, but I feel like it didn't really, like, hold the movie for me. I felt like that was what was supposed to really drive the lo- the second two acts. Drive and the it was car. Like, yeah, drive the car. Um, but it just, it didn't hold my attention. I Maybe that's where a lot of my issues lie, is their dynamic. It is good, and I understand, obviously, you know, she's, like, the daughter that he lost and everything. And oh, That was another interesting bit to learn, was that he had lost his daughter. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, to me, it wasn't engaging, and I'm not even sure if I can give a great reason why. I think I just kind of miss like the dynamic that him and his wife had in the first 40 minutes and that was just missing from the rest of the movie for me maybe not maybe i was just feeling that i I just yeah i don't think it took a long time for that relationship to really begin to develop between him and uh misaki watari is her name the driver yeah um it just that took a long time and i felt like there were a few different threads going on at the same time so yeah i i could see that too i think it does ultimately for the most part pay off at the end but i didn't their connection wasn't as deep or didn't get deep enough fast enough for me to yeah as i was expecting yeah i mean as you said by the end of the movie at the climactic scene and when they're at the ruins of um her old home and everything i mean 
by that point their relationship works and everything but it just took too long to get there and to i maybe it's just like defying my expectations in some way because i kind of went into this once i saw that they were you know going to be two main characters after the first 40 minutes i was like okay their dynamic is going to what what's going to drive if the <laughs> once again drive going to drive this movie um and, and it, it doesn't just, there's nothing really driving the second act of the film yeah. to me like there's just nothing holding it's my kind of interest stagnant <laughs> just sitting still it's it's content in just like having characters talk which is fine but it a lot of the time it just wasn't that interesting like i i didn't mind the scene where they go to the one guy's house and have dinner but it i don't it didn't really amount to much to me like like it was interesting i guess seeing like korean sign or yeah korean sign language and stuff but i don't know as it's just very like there's a lot of payoff in the third act but it's not worth sitting through that <laughs> second act that just nothing really you're just watching people read a play monotone yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's well, uh, a large percentage of that second act what i will say is uh seeing a multilingual production be made i mean first of all the concept of that i was like that's really interesting cool. yeah and seeing it come together is cool like i it took me a few seconds to figure out why they kept knocking on the table, but then I was like, oh, well, that's because they don't necessarily know when each other are done because yeah. they don't speak each other's language. Um, and the movie doesn't really explain all of that kind of stuff to you about how a multilingual production works, so just kind of piecing that together I think was kind of interesting, but that's more of just setting for the movie and not really what the movie's about. Yeah, um trying to remember so the the driver at the end ends up with the car yeah i i don't know exactly what happened at the end i don't I, either i don't know if that like i don't know did he, he just her the leave car? it with her i don't know was uh was the what does the thing say what here does the wikipedia um, say <laughs> i think the wikipedia just says literally what happens Sure uh, in the present up. day, Watari shops for groceries in Korea. She gets into the red Saab where a dog waits for her in the back seat. Yep, that's literally what happens. So he just, I guess he just gives her the car? Yeah, I mean, she looks like similar age, so I'm guessing he didn't die or anything. I'm guessing he just left it with her because I'm guessing what they, you know, the moments they shared that summer were special enough to him. Or that time, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know if I have that much left to say about drive my car. What about you, Holden? I don't think I really do either. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm okay with going on. I think I'd. We talked about it longer than I honestly thought we were going to. Yeah, but yeah, let's go on. Talk about King Richard. Yes, King Richard, Holden. Let's do our non-spoiler review. All right, King Richard. Um, the final movie we hadn't seen uh, from the Best Picture nominees. 
Um, this is a biopic about Serena and Venus Williams' father, uh, kind of their whole family, uh, but focuses a lot on the father, Richard Williams, um, and kind of their time growing up and him trying to get them to become tennis superstars and all the trials and tribulations they went through to get to that point and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, so this is probably the movie I was least excited for because I do not care about tennis at all. And oh. <laughs> sports biopics are, like, one of my least favorite film genres. Because <laughs> I just, like, I mean, I don't care about sports anyway, and I think biopics are very formulaic in a lot of ways. So it, those two things combined just do not add up to a movie I like. And this... I mean, I was engaged with the story, but I still think this is one of the most formulaic biopic movies I've ever seen. Maybe. Uh, um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's hard to have a biopic that doesn't seem formulaic. I will say that, kind of put it in context, yeah. Sure. Whatever, how many years ago we were on a band tour, and I was talking about Serena Williams, and Holden had no idea who I was talking about. <laughs> and I was like, Holden, she's literally the most famous female athlete in the world. <laughs> so put it into context a little bit. Um, I do think I, I liked this movie more than I thought I was going to. I think there's enough style and substance that, yeah, it's formulaic, but I still think there's a place for this type of movie. I think it's one that you're like, you know, like your parents are going to like, it's like a good family movie to go to. Like, yeah, I know like my mom, I think would really like this movie. So I'll probably recommend it to her over all the other best picture. Like she's like, Oh, the power of the dog. That was okay. It was boring. You know, I watched, Whereas like, she'll yeah. be like, Oh my gosh, I love watching those, the Williams sister. That's so interesting and so inspirational. And so I can imagine her really liking this movie. Yeah. I watched like 90% of this with my parents. Um, and, None of them are into sports either, but they seemed at least somewhat in interested in it. So, I, yeah, I agree. It's it's a pretty good, just crowd-pleasing movie. Um, I just, I, I think, like, in terms of, aside from, like, the acting, I think everything about it is just very bland. And I, like, the st I, I did say I liked the story, and part of that is because I didn't know a lot of the story. But it's just, like a lot of the technical aspects of this film are either uninteresting or bad <laughs> in my eyes. And I, a lot of the dialogue is very, it's, it's fine to me. It's like, yeah, okay. This is what I would expect from a movie like this. I don't know. My two cents. I thought it was, I just thought it was an enjoyable movie with good performances, inspirational, uplifting story interesting kind of gray character you have in mm -hmm. king richard like there's definitely like he is not entirely good he's not entirely bad but you do have to like did he do the the right thing like he ultimately he got this result that he was going for was that okay for him to do and like you think of like very much in the vein of like tiger woods dad was very like very much like that too and uh just makes you think about like is he like you know on a scale of one to ten how good of a parent is he like he took his whole family and got them out of a 
very kind of dangerous situation and in Compton and they made a life for themselves that they were wanted to live mm-hmm. but he also kind of planned out his his children's entire life before they were even born yeah yeah and I think that's it, it certainly is interesting I mean I think Richard himself is like the best part of the movie um I think he's even if you are familiar with Serena and Venus Williams I mean I, I can't say I'm super familiar obviously because I didn't know who they were <laughs> until relatively recently but I think he's still a figure that you wouldn't know a lot about and so knowing this like aspect of their background is, is kind of interesting and Will Smith gives a very good performance yeah. I, probably his best Do you, would, would you say? I never saw a concussion but um yeah I, I forgot that was very good existed. <laughs> I thought it was yeah I thought it was a very good performance did he is he nominated I think he's nominated yeah and um whoever plays his wife was also I mean honestly everyone in this movie was was very good performance wise the the kids especially the the ones who played Venus and Serena very good um John Bernthal playing against type he kind of shows up about halfway through the movie I I enjoyed him because it was a very different role for him he gave me a lot of um, Bob Odenkirk, Saul Goodman vibes. Yeah, I can like, see I that. I was like, Bob <laughs> Odenkirk could have played this character. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, performance-wise, I think that is it, it is the strongest part of this movie. Um, but one part that I think is just straight-up bad is the music. <laughs> I don't know if you felt this way. I didn't really notice it all that much. Okay, I this is it's like I maybe it's just because it's so generic to me, but it's like everything you would think in every single scene. It was like just the most generic string, you know, like inspirational music sounds like it's almost stock <laughs> stuff. It's just like so uninteresting and I mean, I guess most people probably wouldn't notice it, but it's just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like an Oscar winner, you know, try a little harder. Like a movie that is clearly trying to go for the Oscar should try a little harder in that department, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I just thought like overall entertaining, this one's a lot easier for me to recommend to a lot of people. I actually see myself recommending this more to people than a lot of the other best picture nominees, actually just from a, a, like a just easy to watch entertaining kind of wide audience kind of take all those factors into account. So I think it's a very crowd pleasing. People are going to like it. Maybe I'll have people turn in, tune into the Oscars but probably not because nobody probably watches not. the Oscars. Yeah, it's a it's a very safe movie. It's probably the most obvious best picture nominee this year. Um, it's it's solid in a lot of ways, but I and I don't know. I wasn't very impressed with it personally. But I wasn't I, bored like I was with Drive My Car. So that's one leg up it has. So I. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was really well paced, actually, too. I think uh, yeah, it yeah. flew by for a two and a half hour movie. It did not feel like it to me. Um, so I think it deserves a lot of credit. It didn't. It didn't really have any lulls. I was constantly interested. I did find it fascinating. It's very much more of a Venus Williams story that Serena definitely gets a backseat. Yeah, which 
I mean, I kind of looking into it afterwards, I guess that's kind of how it was a little bit. Like, Venus was the first one. It wasn't, Serena didn't, like, join the pros until two years after Venus. So, I mean, obviously her rise would be first. Um, was interesting. Yeah, and I there's a lot of the story kind of left untold, too. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because, like, I don't know if either of them are officially retired even from tennis. So, I know Serena Williams had a a, a kid, so that okay. kind of sidelined her for a while. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to to see this dynamic and to learn more about these people. Um, from what I gathered, they got the essence of the truth, which is kind of what you can hope for in a biopic like this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just cool to see. Uh, I think the Williams sisters, it's they're very interesting. They're fun to watch play tennis and. I think it's a just a good crowd pleasing time that I don't mind it being nominated for Best Picture one bit. So no. I, I think I'm ready to give my rating, Holden. It's better are. than uh don't look up. Um <laughs> Yeah. What's your rating, Jimmy? I'm gonna go eight out of ten again. Like I just think it's a nice solid movie that like you said, it's safe. It's not like there's nothing about it that's super kind of revolutionary or out there, but it's just a good time. I think I'll go uh, six out of ten on this one. Um, very, I mean, performance five is like middle of the road for me. So it was really only the performances that brought it up a little bit, and I don't think it's as good as Drive My Car. So I feel I'm I'm safe with that score. There we go. There you go. All right, uh, let's talk about spoilers. Spoilers for King Richard. You, one could say spoilers for history. Um, wow. Look at you. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. What do you want to... You're the tennis guy. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I'm the tennis guy, <laughs> meaning I knew who Serena and Venus <laughs> Williams were. You play tennis occasionally. Yeah. Uh, tennis is fun. Um, yeah, I don't know what to... like. So, I... I it's funny because I enjoyed this movie definitely a lot more than I enjoyed Drive My Car, but I think there's just way more to talk about with Drive My Car and way more to chew on. Yeah, yeah. And this, it's like, yeah, that was a good, nice time. Uh, I think the most interesting aspect of it is just the Richard character, which is obviously at the crux of the whole the whole story, but just like, you know, I like how they portrayed him as this very determined guy who had a plan who did a lot of really good things for his daughters but also had a lot of faults yeah at the same time he was very stubborn he was very controlling um he didn't really he was kind of selfish in a lot mm-hmm. of ways i mean like selfish but also very unselfish at the same time like he dedicated his life for the well-being of his kids and his family but he also like kind of made a lot of decisions on his own at first and i think that he at least in the film he grew in that regard like giving venus the option of like you know do you want to accept the deal from nike and all that instead of just making all those decisions for her yeah i mean it's it's i'm glad he grew from that because you know when he initially pulled her out of tournaments i was like oh my gosh like all of these people are clearly telling him that he shouldn't do that and I know he has this plan, and obviously it all works out because you know where the story ends up, but it's still hard watching it and seeing him make that decision that seems very ill-advised. Yeah. Um, 
but just seeing his determination to get to that point, them um, practicing, I felt like it was maybe a little idealistic. Like, there just didn't seem to be that much conflict within the Williams family. I mean, you had like one or two scenes between Will, uh, Richard and the mom. I forget her name. Brandy, I think. Brandy. But that's really it. You don't get that much tension between him and his daughters at all. Yeah. Like, there's little moments, but nothing that you would expect in an actual family. Yeah, it, it kind of... In some ways, it justified his actions a little bit more because, like, the daughters were clearly just, like, fine, like, in the movie with a lot of what he was doing. And the exception would be, like, when Venus became frustrated that she wasn't playing tournaments. But aside from that, like, I mean, Richard kept, you know, making them practice, kept making them do all of these things that I just, I mean, I guess from my experience, like, a kid would normally not be happy with. But I guess if they're raised that way, maybe they're, in some ways, it's like a brainwashing kind of thing. I don't know. Well, I did watch like a, a couple of behind the scenes things where they talked to, they talked to the Williams sisters. And I remember Serena saying like, you know what? Like we practice a lot, but I didn't really feel like I was missing out on that much. Okay. Like, so, I mean, maybe that was the case. Yeah, uh, it could be. It's just that uh, that's interesting. Like, it's just interesting to like. I think a good pairing for this would be the Tiger Woods HBO documentary, where, especially the first episode where they really focus in on his relationship with his dad, mm-hmm. which is even which is more extreme, I would say, than than even Richard Williams. Very similar in terms of like there is a plan, uh, but like uh, I would say that. Tiger Woods' dad, who I'm forgetting his name, but like was was even like more so like here is Tiger Woods. He is three years old. He's going to be the greatest golfer of all time, putting him on all these shows and all of that and putting so much pressure on his kid and kind of Tiger Woods did like, I don't want to do this. I want to do other things and just kind of that dynamic between them. So if you want uh, kind of a a good pairing with this kind of to see maybe uh, how this could have gone i uh, watched the tiger woods documentary on hbo okay okay um i don't know what else is there to say about this movie i okay can you explain i didn't i didn't fully understand like the whole thing with the player going to the bathroom in the game at the end so I didn't know this was a thing, but I guess if you just need to like take a restroom break in tennis, you just can. I, okay. I guess that seems weird to me that you'd be allowed to do that in the middle of a set. But I guess that's a thing unless huh. they've changed it since. It seems like a very much a, a gamesmanship way to go about things and a bad look for you. doesn't seem very classy. It's probably like an unwritten rule that you don't do that. But um. I'm so glad she it, lost the match at the end. Like, mm-hmm. I think if she wins that, there's nothing to, like, learn. And I think it's a lot more effective that she they end on a loss and that the victory is that they still love and accept her and they've never been more proud of her. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that was great, too. Was So... Just <laughs> going back to it because so is did she just get like psyched out or something like I don't I didn't fully understand what was happening yeah so they said like she's icing her and that term in sports um, is kind of like to try to like 
stop someone who has a lot of momentum oh, just kind of get okay. inside their head psych them out so like in uh, football american football for example like if there's like a field goal kick to try to win the game and the other team has a timeout left they usually take the timeout right before they're about to kick it just to give them some extra time to think about kicking it oh, okay um so just kind of like they call it icing the kicker so they like they iced venus give her more time to think about it she's 14 years old get in her head yeah. stop her momentum get her you know physically kind of tighten her up and you know whether or not that actually made a difference in the movie clearly does but in real life who knows yeah yeah okay that makes sense yeah um what else is there to say about this movie jimmy uh well so king richard in the movie is about to kill somebody before they just die in a drive-by i have no idea if that's accurate or not yeah that was uh, a that was an intense scene. Um, it was it was weird to me that that group of guys just were friendly then, <laughs> like, and like it, they got along with Richard. Then they were like protecting him. I don't know. It was just like the one guy was was a jerk. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I also liked the scene where the cops come in and he kind of defends his way, their way of parenting and mm-hmm. the ideas because it is. Very much like, yeah, you could see that some people are going to have a problem with this way of parenting, but he is definitely doing it out of a place of love. Like, yeah. you cannot argue that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to kind of dissect the character of, of Richard Williams. So I enjoyed it. Um, I Like I would say, if you've seen it, then, uh, which hopefully you have if you're listening to spoilers, then watch the, learn about Tiger Woods' dad. I think it's just an interesting comparison. Um and yeah, I think that's all I got to say about this movie, Holden. I'll go read the Wikipedia article on Tiger Woods' dad. Uh, I don't want to watch a documentary, but just watch the. It is very interesting. <laughs> you do not have to care anything about golf. Okay, I would maybe. very much recommend it. You have HBO Max, Holden. I know I do. Just watch. It's two parts. Just watch the first part with the dad. It's very interesting. Okay, fine. There you go. You can thank <laughs> me later. All right. Uh, Otherwise, do you have anything else to say? I don't think so, no. All right, Holden, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, so uh, this week, only watched a couple movies, uh, one of which rewatched Clueless um, because my roommate had never seen it. Um, I've never seen it either. Really? It's like, it is like the most 90s movie ever. (laughs) It's like in terms of, I mean, obviously it it kind of inspired a lot of like Mean Girls, that movie too. I think Mean Girls is a better movie, but Clueless has a lot of charm. And I think it was the first time Paul Rudd acted in a movie too. Um, I always forget he's in that movie, but yeah, Clueless is good. Um, but then the big one I watched this week is I finally got around to watching Pig, starring Nicolas Cage. Ooh, how was that? It was very good. Um, I kind of went in knowing not to, like, it was going to be different than what you may expect from, like, the, the premise of the movie, but it still, like, somehow subverted, like, any change in expectations I may have had from that. It, it is, it is a very unique movie, a very unique take on like a revenge movie um 
it's a very uh, like Nicolas Cage gives such a great performance in that it's probably one of the best I've seen from him um Alex Wolf is in it and he's really good too I didn't know he was in that movie but he's actually like a major character um it's just a very it's not it's not a fun watch I'll say that but it's it's a movie that you should definitely definitely experience highly recommend it it's on Hulu right now Hulu I was gonna say where did you see it yeah and the director that's the director who's doing the quiet place spinoff so I'm kind of more excited for that now now that I've seen this movie so there we go um in addition to that I finished Adventure Time I cried I cried such a good ending very emotional um but I'm gonna start watching the HBO Max specials they made for that now um but then I'm also re-watching The Boys most of the way through season one on that um still very good this is my third time watching through season one so I know everything that's happening pretty well I'm pretty excited to get to season two because I feel like I don't remember a lot of that but um yeah, and in terms of video games, I've just been mostly playing Kingdom Hearts 2, which is really cool. Um, and I'm back at the Mulan world. I had to come back to that. I actually just went back today. And, uh, oh, uh, Mario Kart 8, the Switch one came out with like a DLC like season pass essentially even though the game is like five years old or something now (laughs) but they're coming out it's they're basically gonna like double the amount of tracks in the game um but they're releasing them kind of in waves but the whole pass is like is only 25 dollars so i bought it played the first wave of tracks they're pretty fun Uh, some classics they brought back coconut mall from the wii i was gonna say coconut mall why is that not in the switch version yeah well it is now if you as long as you have the dlc um but had some new ones i had never played because i think they're from the mobile game um but they're actually pretty good tracks um i liked them aside from that though i think that's pretty much all i've done what about what about you jimmy Uh, i finished up better call saul season two kind of forgot how season two ended i was like oh yeah what a great ending what a great (laughs) cliffhanger to season two and you just gotta watch it man i don't know what to tell you i gotta wait i gotta wait you're get you get you've said you would meet me up for part two of season the final season that's right i need to know when that's coming out it's like june something i think part two is really yeah that soon yeah um or early july or something like that um otherwise i started replaying horizon zero dawn okay and i'm just trying to just pretty much go through it as fast as i can <laughs> because i just remember a lot of the side stuff being very pointless in that game in my opinion i like at least going through the cauldrons because then you get yeah those are kind of fun and then you also get like upgrades and stuff but yeah and it oh man it is hard for me to play an open world game after playing ghost of tsushima because it's just like this is just not as good as goes to Tsushima so we'll see we'll see everybody really likes the new one so I don't know yeah it's it's kind of it's a shame I've seen a lot of comparisons between Forbidden West and Zero Dawn and the fact that they came out like each one came out like a week apart from like a bigger open world game 
because I think Zero Dawn came out like a week before Breath of the Wild did. And then mm-hmm. this obviously came out a week before Elden Ring. And so it's kind of both games kind of got overshadowed a bit, but I think they they had staying power. So, yeah, I don't know if Forbidden West really will, though, I, we'll see. I because the first the first one just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas Forbidden West, like people were anticipating it and it just kind of flew out of the picture almost instantaneously because of Elden Ring. Yeah, that's kind of what I saw, but I I feel like similar thing ha- happened with the first one though and then maybe just like as as people maybe cooled down on Breath of the Wild then they talked about Zero Dawn more. It also doesn't help that Elden like Z- Breath of the Wild and Zero Dawn had like no crossover in terms of consoles, but obviously Forbidden West and Elden Ring does. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. We'll see if it has any staying power. I'll still get it. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I think that's it, Holden. Are we planning on everything, everywhere, all at once next week yeah. if it's in town? Yeah. I'm hoping. I haven't. Well, I guess theaters probably don't have the schedule out quite yet for for this coming weekend. But assuming it's here, I want to go see that really bad. If not, uh, X could be our backup now. That's too. true. Yeah, we could do X. Which so, one of those two films next week. Yeah. Coming at you live, but not mm-hmm. really. <laughs> and then the Oscars are coming up too. Are the Oscars next week? Yeah, next we'll be we'll probably do you want to do an evening recording next week so then we can like do it while the Oscars are happening. We'll we can play it by ear. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then uh yeah, maybe we can put our favorite movies of the year list together too. Oh yeah, that's true. So, um, and also, you know, the best picture. Can't forget. Um, next in two weeks, we've got Morbius finally. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but aside from that, I'll take us home. You don't even Sweet. have to signal I'll, signal me you, this. You know way. what, Alden? You can on the way home. You can drive my car. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but then, how are you going to get it back? You just you're gonna walk home. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, if you want to leave us a request, you can do so by leaving us a five star review on iTunes or by emailing us at tompodcast at gmail or donating to our Patreon. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, Sweet. Yeah. yeah. You good? You got it all your we're, system there, we're Buckle. Good. We're good now. All right. Adios, pantalones. Love you. That one movie podcast.